0: Optimal minimal. At this altitude, I can run flat out for a half mile before my hands start shaking. Can I ask you a personal question? Now in an perfect time. What if I did the opposite? I'm a cybernetic organism, living tissue over metal
1: endoskeleton.
0: This episode is brought to you by Peloton, which I've been using probably for about a year now. Peloton is a cutting-edge indoor cycling bike that brings live studio classes right into your home. You can also do on-demand, which is what I do. We'll come back to that. So you don't have to worry about fitting classes into a busy schedule or making it to a studio or gym with a hectic or unpredictable commute. I, for instance, have a Peloton bike right in my master bedroom at home, and it's one of the first things I do many mornings. I wake up, I meditate for a bit, Then I knock out a short 20-minute ride in my undies, hard to do that at the gym, take a shower, and I'm in higher gear for the rest of the day. It's really convenient and has become something that I look forward to. So you have a lot of options. For one, if you like, you can ride live with thousands of other riders across the country on an interactive leaderboard to keep you motivated. There are also up to 14 new classes added every day with more than 8,000 classes on demand, and you can pick based on length, 45 minutes, 20 minutes, whatever, music, hip-hop, rock and roll, or say low impact versus high intensity or interval. You can pick the class structure and style that works for you, and in my case, I quite like Matt Wilper's, and I tend to do on demand and listen to a lot of and watch many of the same classes over and over. But I'm kind of promiscuous and also enjoy classes from a lot of the other instructors. They have Peloton, an amazing roster of incredible instructors in New York City with a whole range of styles and personalities, so you can find what you're in the mood for. You also get real time metrics that you can use to track your performance over time, and that will help. I would say catalyze you to beat your personal best. Now that all sounds good, right? Gamification, yada, yada, yada. I didn't think that it would work for me or in any way incentivize me, but they really 100% hit the nail on the head. I was very, very impressed with how motivating it was. And it worked tremendously to keep me pushing, uh, which quite honestly takes a fair amount. I can get quite lazy, particularly with anything that edges on endurance, which is kind of more than five reps of anything for me. So... Check it out. Discover this cutting-edge indoor cycling bike that brings the studio experience right to your home. Peloton is offering listeners of this podcast a limited-time offer. Go to OnePeloton.com, that's O-N-E, Peloton, p-e-l-o-t-o-n.com, and enter the code TIM, all caps, at checkout and get $100 off of accessories with your Peloton bike purchase. So get a great workout at home anytime you want. Check it out. Go to OnePeloton.com and use the code TIM to get started. This episode is brought to you by LegalZoom, which more than 2 million Americans have used to help start their businesses. Past guests even, such as, well, WordPress lead developer, CEO of Automatic, Matt Mollenweg, now valued at more than a billion dollars, have used LegalZoom to help with their business needs, specifically in his case, to form his company. But LegalZoom isn't just for launching your business. Their services include everything from helping you to manage changing tax laws, reviewing contracts, creating NDAs, non-disclosure agreements, important stuff, handling lease agreements, and assisting with really any other legal challenge, hurdle, inconvenience that typically takes time and effort away from running your business. The best part is that you won't get charged by the hour because LegalZoom isn't a law firm, so they won't be running the clock up and spinning circles just to raise your bill. Instead, they just ask you to pay one low upfront price for whatever it is that you're looking to get a la carte style. So visit LegalZoom.com and check out their business section for all of their services. And if you want special savings, that's the terminology in the copy that they suggest. I don't know what the special savings is, folks, but it's titillating. If you want special savings, enter promo code TIM, T-I-M, at checkout, capital T, lowercase I-M. Again, take a peek, LegalZoom.com, and enter promo code TIM. Hello boys and girls, ladies and germs, this is Tim Ferriss and welcome to another episode of the Tim Ferriss Show, where it is my job, each and every episode, to deconstruct a world-class performer from any number of different domains, business, sports, entertainment, military, and so on. And today's guest, who will perhaps debate that he himself is world-class, but I will not allow it, is Toby Lütke who is the founder and chief executive officer of Shopify, CEO, that is, of Shopify. In 2004, Toby began building software to launch an online snowboard store called SnowDevil. It quickly became obvious that the software was more valuable than the snowboards, so Toby and his founding team launched the Shopify platform in 2006. He has served as CEO since 2008 at the company headquarters in the metropolitan uh, epicenter of tech, Ottawa. Canada it's a fantastic place <laughs> I've I've spent time there beaver tails also incredible Toby is an is an active advocate for computer literacy and education and serves as a board member of Canada Learning Code, all caps, C-L-C, Canada Learning Code, an organization working to give all Canadians access to digital skills. In 2014, Toby was named the Globe and Mail's CEO of the year. He served as chair of the Digital Industries Table, an advisory board commissioned by the federal government to provide recommendations on how to turn Canada into a digital leader. And that report was published that is, of the table in September 2018. Toby, welcome to the show.
1: Thanks so much for having me.
0: And I feel like this is a long time coming. We go, we go way, way back, and we'll get to that. But I thought we could start with your penchant uh, related to optimization. So I, I want to do a quick fact check here. So this is something I came across in the Uh-oh. New York Times. It doesn't surprise me, uh, but here's how it goes. I also have a weird obsession with optimizing things. This is supposedly a quote of yours. Even when I was walking to elementary school, I counted the number of steps on different routes so I could figure out which one was shortest. (laughs) Uh, And I'll I'll just finish this up. So dot, dot, dot. I'll just connect some things. If I had to do something once, that's fine. If I had to do it twice, I'm kind of annoyed. And if I had to do it three times, I'm going to try to
1: automate it. Did you count steps? I <laughs> did. It sounds ridiculous, doesn't it? It's one of those situations, you know, like where I—I I, I think I was together with my my, my mom, my sister, and and my, my sister was complaining about me trying to optimize something. I think we were talking about going for a walk, and I'm like, "Well, you know, if if a place we're starting from is the same as a destination, why don't we just not go?" You know, like, <laughs> and um, my mom immediately said, "You you realize you you did this." from when you were like four or something, and um, told me the story. And it kind of sort of, unfortunately, probably tells people way too much about me. So I don't know why this made it into the New York Times. I'm actually kind of unhappy about this right now, but here we are. And here we are. And the
0: the optimization or the looking for efficiency, is that something that you're, you're either of your parents has? Or does that seem to kind of come out of left field? I
1: think, I, I don't know. It's what, probably one of those unexplained kind of, quirks which um, after probably many many years where it's um, annoying everyone around me suddenly starts becoming useful right <laughs> like after you know because you know as a especially as a programmer it's 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 been wonderful right it's uh, you know I, I love these old machines where you know can understand every chip that's in the machine you can kind of figure out what's what um, try to you know make a video game in the 90s was really really hard and so those are kind of things which really really attracted me
0: mm-hmm and so just to give people a snapshot of where things are now, and we're going to certainly continue with this retrospective rewinding the clock, but how, how big is, is Shopify at the moment? Yeah. What are some of the numbers?
1: So yeah, as you said, Shopify started in 2000, 2004, um, and it became sort of, uh, we released it in 2006, which again, that's almost like a hundred internet years ago, right? That's, it's, it's, it's been a long time. And, um, uh, the company now is a public company. Um, uh, uh, it's um, about four and a half thousand people uh, work at Shopify. Uh, we have offices in um, uh, largely across Canada, but also in you know Berlin and uh, you know Australia and so on, and um, all sorts of other places. We have about um, uh, I don't know what the new- newest official number is. I think it's, it's called more than seven hundred thousand customers. Um, mm. And um, uh, all around the world, 175 countries, and so on, so on, so on. Mm-hmm.
0: So it's 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 become this by almost any metric, fantastic success. Uh, I was mentioning when we were having lunch before this that I was unpacking some boxes that I I'd, I'd not yet unpacked from my move from San Francisco to Austin, and I found the the coin from the initial public offering, and it really made me smile because I remember when. We first met. Shopify had what would you say? Fifteen people. Fifteen people, and that was that was was that two thousand eight or two thousand? Yeah, two thousand eight. was two thousand eight. Yeah. And uh, could you could you tell what you remember of 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 that first meeting? Where did where did where did we first meet? Okay.
1: We did. Um, we met at um, uh, a conference called RubyConf, right? Or mm-hmm. uh, might might have been RailsConf. RailsConf. Yeah. 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 Uh, RailsConf. That sounds right. Um, Rails, um, Ruby and Rails being um, uh, the technology Shopify has been uh, programmed in. And um, uh, you were invited as a a, a keynote speaker. Um, I think you did an interview with David. That's right. David
0: Hannemeyer Hansen. Exactly.
1: So I think we talked in the green room. It's like, hey, I love everything about your book, um, but the worst part about it is... um, you keep talking about using Yahoo stores for your, for your <laughs> supplement business and uh, you sh- really should have used Shopify. And, uh, um, uh, you know, what can I do to convince you of uh, I wasn't that direct? I was probably really shy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but the, the timing was perfect also because I was in the process of doing the final editing for the revised edition of the, f- of the four-hour work week. And I had been polling... My readers through social media and the blog and so on, which had at that time, you know, the blog already at that point had uh, millions of readers, and asking for suggestions for updates for the tools and resources, and Shopify was the most consistent recommendation for e-commerce platform. And then I go to this this conference. We meet in the speakers' room. Effectively, you have uh, let's say fifteen or so employees. And that was the beginning of, of our exchanges and then collaboration, which which we'll get into. But it, on one hand, seems like a previous lifetime, and on another hand, just does not seem that long ago. It
1: Doesn't, it doesn't.
0: And uh, I, I have to say, for um, people who perhaps wonder this, you know, does money change people? I I have to say, it's been so. I didn't expect you to change, and you didn't, uh, and it's it's really refreshing. And I, I I I don't know if I've said this publicly, but Shopify is one of those companies where everyone I've ever been involved with has been just such a genuinely good person. It's it's an example of when the good guys have have won in a way, and it's it's it just makes me so happy that you guys have had the outcomes that you've had. So
1: thank you so much. for Yeah, time. yeah.
0: I just want want to start there. It's it's really just it gives me so much joy to think about. And uh, let's get back to your odd behavior as a kid. <laughs> uh, uh, so it's, this is a, this is from a separate piece, and this isn't going to be all quotes, but some of these are just so fantastic. I can't I can't not mention. This is from Globe and Mail, and uh, this this I think speaks to a superpower of yours that may have caused problems in the beginning. And uh, I, I recall reading a quote, and I'm gonna butcher it, but uh, Francis Ford Coppola, the director, incredible, legendary filmmaker, had said, uh, you know, you receive lifetime achievement awards for the things that would have gotten you fired in the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, That's fantastic. Cool. Yeah, so here, here's the quote, and this is the writer. From an early age, Lutka had what he calls authority problems in schools in Koblenz. Germany. He preferred to deconstruct the questions teachers gave him rather than deliver the expected answers. And I was like, yep, that sounds right. (laughs) He took shortcuts determining the minimum number of hours he needed to spend in a particular class and still pass so that he could spend most of his time with his computer. One of the patterns that I have observed with you over the years that I think is so, so valuable and so simultaneously important but undervalued or under discussed is not just asking the question in front of you but dissecting it to determine if it's the right question so could you elaborate a bit on that or uh, think of any examples uh, that that could serve as as a launching off point or or even maybe start with why you do this
1: yeah I, I've um Wow, this is already going into interesting places, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Like, okay, we are talking about my authority problem and my obsession with uh, optimization. So um, where do we go from here? I, here's, here's one thing, which is, um, h- here's what the authority problem thing has morphed into. And I think this is, uh, this is exactly the sort of pivot point from which event from um, problematic to, ex- to very useful. And that is, um, I have a serious problem just of accepting autotoxy. Like mm-hmm. the, the here's how things are done. Yeah. Just kind of it doesn't that doesn't grab me in any particular way. Um and so um what I've sort of determined for myself is what like I really wanna understand um, the situation and the various pressures acting on the situation that I'm that I'm that I might get myself into. So you were taking us back with your with a little um, coin that you found, which is one of those artifacts the New York Stock Exchange gives you when you take a company public. And and so we, we, we got to do this together. Um, before um, that date, when you actually ring the bell, you, um, at least traditionally, like companies like Spotify and Slack are now doing the direct listing, which I think is really, really healthy for that particular industry. But before that... Um, you went uh you, you worked with bankers you you built this prospectus and then what you um and and when you go on a road show and all these kind of um things you, it's a spend a grueling like talk about i don't want to do a thing two times to like three times i had to give the same presentation a hundred and three <laughs> times in in, in 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 eight days it's 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 absolutely um it was a complete haze toby's version of hell it was my version of hell <laughs> which is funny because like I, I, my uh, business partner harley is um, like the opposite of me and, yeah. and loved it right like so it's it's good to have these people around who can remind note: so
0: harley um Harley, probably the person I've heard most described as a force of nature. Yeah, that yeah. phrase applied yes. to Harley,
1: exactly, which um, I'm decidedly not. Um, so, um, uh, so so Harley loved it. I wanted to automate it all the way through. Um, but just I'm um, taking us back there because I think this is, it's a good example of of this kind of thinking. Um, one thing I did very early in the process of actually taking the company public was to. Um, uh, not just understand like how could shop if I become like a good public company, but um, there was this sort of obvious agency problem that exists on the investment banker side, right? And so um, I, I spent a, a good uh, couple months um, talking to people, figuring out what kind of things. Uh, happen in the performance review of investment bankers. like how do they make their money? How do they make their bonuses? How do they, you know how do how do they string together a career? What's good, what's bad? you know um, if they get a lot of these kind of fees, is that good for them or is that neutral? if they uh, you know so um, because this is this is the, I would like to come to a conclusion, like and often this is the same conclusion that orthodoxy would have just sent me to. Um, myself, because I, I want I want to say, okay, I'm going to do these following things um, because uh, I, I, from first principle, argued that this is the right thing to do. And I think this, more often than not, actually leads to very interesting um, uh, um, insights where you can say, okay, because I understand what's at play here, I can disagree with someone's suggestion and I can maybe improve something slightly. And I think in an in a, in a interesting way, Shopify is a very long exercise in doing this over and over and over again. Rather than saying, okay, well, the internet needs online stores. They are super important. Entrepreneurship is one of the biggest economic uh, opportunities. Online retail is one of the biggest entrepreneurial um, opportunities of our lifetime. It's like $1.9 trillion industry now. It's going to be $4 trillion soon. Um, Online stores need to be something that people can create. Okay, cool. But do people really care about online stores? They care about selling, right They care about becoming successful entrepreneurs. they become of they they, they care about um, um, reaching for independence and and the success of uh, like of that so that so which pretty quickly sent us into a direction saying, okay, well, we do the online store thing, but let's actually build the software that actually supports people in the activity of reaching for independence and and because of this, it became something else and and and, and success came through that.
0: Well, this this also in a way connects some dots from earlier today when we were chatting about a mutual friend, Seth Godin. Yeah. And uh, Seth and I not too long ago had this conversation where he gave the example of, uh, which was borrowed from an example he had read, but he elaborated on it, which was you know no one wants a quarter inch drill bit; they want a quarter inch hole. And then it's like no, but <laughs> exactly. they don't really want a quarter inch hole; they want a shelf. Do they, they don't really want a shelf; they want a place to put their books, and so on and so forth. Yeah. Uh, so that you don't sort of mistake the current characteristics of a temporary solution as the ultimate objective.
1: Because the world has sort of sorted itself into um, solutions based on a world that's long gone. In a way, like why? I mean, just looking back at my industry, like why was there a um, uh, online store industry and a point of sale? system industry and all these ebay power seller tools like e- each of those instances someone has a product and wants to sell it through whatever channel like do you do you, do you want to go to like three four or five different vendors to get software to 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 participate in all these channels no you just want to do it right and so i think it's 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 really worth going for life and just saying well hold on a second like what are people actually trying to accomplish? What is the actual problem here? Um, I think the most impressive story along those lines that I've ever sort of come across is the, uh, are you familiar with uh, Malcolm McLean's story um, ar- around the invention of a shipping container?
0: I'm not, but I've had a book about shipping containers recommended to me multiple yeah, the times. The Box, probably. The Box. Yeah. What was the name? The, yeah. the person's name you said? Uh,
1: his name was Malcolm McLean. He's, he's, he's one of those entrepreneurs who would absolutely be on your podcast if you would be alive right now, right? Because um, spent the first money out of college on buying a truck, started a trucking company um, and tried to get things shipped across the country or even to Europe and realized, like, we can make the most efficient trucking system or the, the train guys have the most efficient trains and the boat guys have ships all over the world. But getting something through multiple stations is impossible. Like you have to unload everything, load in next. So he ended up just buying a bunch of tankers from the US Navy, uh, which had surplus tankers at the end of World War II, and just, just came up with this idea of putting a shipping container together, which you can put things in a factory in Maine and then bring, ship them all the way to Berlin. And the moment he did that, the, the cost of um, sending like a unit of good went from, I think, $6 to 16 cents. It's incredible. We all live in Malcolm's world because the shipping container has been hugely influential um, in history. It's like a lot of people talk about free trade agreements and globalization. In reality, it's globalization happens the moment a shipping container opens in a country, and uh, it's it's a fascinating, like rather underexposed story. But what's so cool about this is um, the reason why he pulled this off is because. Um, again, the the, the the Vanderbilt's and the train guys really loved their trains and, and the boat guys loved boats. And he was the only person who just cared about moving things. He wanted to solve the problem of moving things in the world and then you come to better solutions. And we need more of that kind of thing.
0: Yeah, the uh, the versatility, I don't want to get too taken off track, but the shipping container, when I was... The des, the brilliance of the modular design and yeah. the ability to take a single container and move it a- cross different means of transport, uh, is, uh, an endlessly fascinating topic. And a lot of folks also don't realize the sort of genius of the design of shipping containers and the considerations of the dimensions mm-hmm. and the ability to cool or control temperature. Uh, and then the entire aftermarket use of shipping containers also, which is how I came yeah. into it. I kind of backed into it, looking at huh. different types of design and construction, uh, that book was called The Box. Yes, The Box. So since since we're talking about it, might as well might as well just hit on on something I was going to ask about any, anyway, which is which is books. So you're a a, a, a I would say a, a, a voracious but very selective consumer of information, and there's a lot of garbage out there. You mentioned The Box. Uh, there's another book. And I think it might have been in Harley's office where I first saw it at Shopify, but High Output Management mm-hmm. by Andy Grove. That's
1: one of the best books ever.
0: One of the best books ever. So I, I want to, and then another one that I've listed here is Drive mm-hmm. by Daniel Pink. I'm not sure if, we, if, if you want to comment on that, but could you mention a few books that you have found particularly helpful and maybe start with High Output Management and why that is a good book?
1: So so I'll, I'll take you back sort of to early days. I started at um, Shopify as, um, uh, you know, hey, I only want to do the technology. I, I'm i a programmer by trade, right? So this is my world. Um, and I wanted to treat business as a black box um, for the first couple of years. And then for various reasons, um, I was sort of thrust into also having to take over the um, business side of Shopify. Around that time, actually, we met. And... Um, I did a poll with people I knew for two books to read, um, uh, because so, so I bus- wanted business folks. It, bis- exactly. So because up until this point I was knee deep in Martin Fowler and and Ken Beck and all these kind of you know luminaries of a, of the programming world, but I had no idea about business. And so, um, but two books I read, um, which is funny because it tells you how good that selection process was, because I still think was a probably a they would rank in the top five books I've ever read. Um, and I had a completely wrong view about how good business books were afterwards. we um, were a, a High Output Management by Andy Grove and um, Influence by... Um, Caldini. Ro- Caldini, exactly. Um, so that was a very fortuitous two first books to read. Um, <laughs> yeah,
0: you got off to a good start.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so Andy's book is unapologetically... Uh, Almost a how-to manual that kind of dis- deconstructs the world of business into its f- into first principles. It's like, here's what matters. Here's how to think about it. No one needs a degree. This, there's a little bit of circumstantial, contextual understanding that you just have to have. But basically, it, it basically at the end of the day, making a business is an engineering exercise, and which is brilliant for me because that's like that actually connected. That that made the whole thing about becoming a CEO significantly less scary to me because, you know, engineering, I understand. Um, And then Influence was just the most mind-bending book you can imagine because it essentially told you all the ways humans are flawed and influential and um, how... um, Yes, computers are predictable and you can deal with it, but then once, once you make things for people, you need to go into storytelling and uh, you know framing matters, which are also news to me, frankly. <laughs> I spent my teens with computers, not with people. <laughs> so um, I, I, I came as a, like, my, uh, my wife would, lo- uh, you know, would dine out on this topic and just probably make fun of me for hours. But like, she, she, she always says, I'm an, uh, I am an immigrant to the human condition. <laughs> <laughs> so um uh, uh so so those two send me off to a good start i i, I just want to say though um uh, voracious reader voracious voracious, voracious, yeah. voracious that's how you say that um uh I, like i'm dyslexic I, I i actually read very slowly um mm-hmm. i i sort of overcome dyslexia but like i i i, I read books very slowly i think i it's actually an advantage, frankly. I, I have very high recollection, but because of this, I have to be very selective uh, on, the, mm. on on the books I read. So, I'm not one of those 100 books a year kind of people.
0: Yeah. How do you How do you choose books now? Or maybe we, as an example, like the box. Why did that come on your radar? How did that make the cut?
1: Um, the box came uh, because I I usually have a topic and then just dive right. Like I I, I dive into it. Like in this in this case, I was like, Hey, I'm um, Running Shopify, Shopify causes, um you know, billions, like tens of billions of dollars of commerce activity, and most of this is going to go through a logistics network that I don't understand. And I feel my job as a CEO is have to have a most full stack understanding of every component in the, uh, that that's at all related. um Which is, frankly, <laughs> given that we're work- working here in World Trade, is almost the entire human condition. Um, so it's an endless source of uh, interesting uh, deep dives into topics. But in this case, I was more about the logistics world. Like um, it's, 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 it's a fascinating world because it's been built for um, millennia and um, um, you know, like the, the, the Silk Road um, has still impact on the way the world economy works today. And, and, and stitching these things together is, is absolutely fascinating, but um, uh, just even in the sort of first, okay, let me let me let me start digging, it became pretty clear that the, that there was a history before the shipping container and a history after the shipping container. And if in these situations and there's a specific date where everything changes, like the industrial revolution or something being another example of that. Um, what I tend to like doing is I, I like to find um, the players, like the people who had a lot of input on this kind of thing or just at least who had the front row seat and then read their biographies because they don't tend to try to sell you anything other than that this person played an important role but they tend to be the most credible witnesses to the actual outside events without so much um, bias towards convincing you that it was good or bad. Um, And so in this particular case it was very easy. There was actually a perfectly good book about exactly the guy who came up with it and so it was an obvious choice.
0: What other... Actually, before we get to subjects and more books, because this, this may bridge over to something that I did not know. I feel like I should have known this, and it makes perfect sense, but I did not know this. So this this is, I suppose, one of your problem domains. We can discuss what that means. Uh, when you became CEO, and uh, I have a question about that also, but this, this is uh, this is a quote from a, a media piece. And I could try to paraphrase it, but it'll, it'll take a lot longer. So you, as, as part of, here's, here's the piece, as part of his self-directed crash course, he decided to fly to Silicon Valley. Now I'm going to pause here for a second because p- people listening might think, of course, you go to Silicon Valley to learn from fantastic entrepreneurs and so on. But it's it takes a different turn here, which I think is really indicative of, of how you're thinking, uh, how you apply very structured thinking to things. Back to the piece. He set up meetings with venture capitalists and listened to their questions about Shopify's attrition rates and conversion rates and funnel in parentheses, the various means by which a company attracts the attention and secures the commitment of new customers. It's a long way to say that. Uh, he had no idea what they were talking about, but he wrote down the terms. So then he went back to the hostel he was staying in and looked. that also tells you something, hostel he was staying in and looked up everything on Wikipedia. He would then read up on how to calculate contribution margin ratio. And the, the the amount by which sales exceed variable production costs, then go to Shopify's database and get the numbers. Oh, he'd think that's an interesting way to look at the business. And then at the next meeting, he was able to answer one more question. This is this is a really clever way to go about. <laughs> Thank you. Getting up fix spe- that time. I mean, you're learning by observing the questions and yeah. then defining the terms.
1: See, this is why I love podcasts. Uh, the, my, my favorite thing in the world is like books are like definitely rank up there. But it's because one thing which is better. Which is being a fly in a wall when two experts talk amongst each other, right, which is one of those situations that was almost impossible to um uh, line up uh, as an outsider and now suddenly is completely democratized for the wonderful invention of of of, of podcasting so, but back then um uh, and before that I, I sometimes managed to do it via finding a chat room or forum where peop- where experts talked amongst each other. It's something I was always seeking um in this case. Um, so when when I was trying to learn about some technology, like um, some some esoteric 3D rendering algorithms that I was found interesting, I, I, I used to try to find like where people talk about optimizing these things, and then I, I just don't understand anything that they're talking about, but then I chip away at it, and uh, uh, I, I would come into the knowledge. And so I, I tried to um, replicate this um, and, 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 and talking to venture capitalists ended up being sort of a way I figured out how to potentially do it. Because, because again, um, I had no background in business. I had no idea how this all worked. I had, um, and I had to do it fast because 2008, I wasn't doing it well, right? Like it was very, very tough to keep the company alive. So let's,
0: let's uh, this is maybe a good uh, opportunity to explain to people uh, why, why you took over as CEO. Just the the circumstances.
1: Yeah. The, the circumstance was simple and probably fairly common. It's uh, I I um I had a co-founder with, for Snow Devil, which was a snowboard store, and um, we did the like I did the technology, he did ran the store, um, and did a million other things like find us an office at some point and so on. Um, but as the company pivoted much more to being a software company and um started growing and requiring more and more people. At some point like it was just a different situation. And so um he sort of came to me and said decided that um he wanted to transition out. And um, um that really you know I mean that was very surprising because again, I really wanted to treat business as a black box. I, I thought business I mean, it was a programmer. We, we don't like business. So right? I was like, go, yeah, that's. B- I was gonna. Board. I was gonna say
0: treating it as a black box is a very diplomatic diplomatic way to say it. As a programmer, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I,
1: like I mean, I, I just didn't want to like become the pointy head boss in the Dilbert comic, right? <laughs> so, um, I uh, um, so so this is the situation. It, it just it just arose, and um, I um, I actually looked for a CEO for a long time. I. I um, um, met with a lot of people who got came recommended as potential CEO replacements and it was one of my early investors um, the, 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 actually the only investor frankly um, um, who at some point took me aside and said Toby you will never find anyone who ca- will care about Shopify as much as you do and so you should just give this a go and um, that was pretty scary advice um, but uh, um, I, I like the challenge I, I mean why do we entrepreneurs do this thing? It's like, why, why do we even build companies? It's, it's such a silly idea, right? Like, think about how irrational this is. This is not my quote, but like someone said, like you, you spend a hundred hours a week avoiding working 40 hours a week for someone else. <laughs> <laughs> right. It, it, it kind of makes no sense, right? Like, And, and, and with a very, especially tech, like, such a minor <laughs> chance of actually getting any kind of returns on it. And so you don't do this for, for, for uh, at least certainly, well, I can't, I can only speak for myself. I certainly did not do this for uh, monetary reasons. Um, reason why I did it is because I thought it sounded amazing not having to answer to anyone Uh, back to our authority problems. And um, uh, I I wanted to make my own sort of technology decisions and these kind of things. Um, And I want to see what I can do. I I want to challenge myself. And I said, like, this is the right time in my life. I was uh, 24 when I started. Um, This is the right time of my life to give this a go. Uh, I will learn a ton. Like, there's no way this could be a failure on a personal level other than in the way that you know, maybe people lose money. I mean, but, but real failure was a very, was a very r- real thing, but, um, I knew I would learn a lot. And so that I reconnected with us and said, okay, there's another challenge to become the business side of a business as well. And, um, uh, I'm going to learn a lot again. And so, um, I traveled to Silicon Valley. I, it's, it's funny because I, I found this hostel close to, uh, Sand Hill Road where all the VCs were back then. Um, and, uh, about bought a bike on Craigslist and and, and and just biked to all these things and they, they must you know they, they, they even see like if you look at Central Road it's not made for bikes it's <laughs> like, not made for bikes and and uh, Biking into these like <laughs> gleaming palaces of capitalism.
0: I'm just have to imagine. They're like, yeah, some guys coming in from Ottawa, Canada. It's, Ottawa, Canada. And they're like, wait, so is
1: that him on the bike? <laughs> <laughs> this is exactly the situation. You, you're, you're just you're just adding to the the picture. That, that's, that's that's perfectly accurate. And um, um, uh, yeah, so I, I I talked with them. I learned a lot. Um, I I thought they found this uh, somehow I was. Endearing in some way because I actually did co- keep contact with a lot of them. They didn't actually run me out of um, their offices, which is also speaks to Silicon Valley. You know, it's it's ama- It's an amazing place where where you can take meetings with people who g- will give you their, their time and advice. And um, I puzzled it out, right? Like I figured it out. It turns out I needed to learn a lot about t- certain terms and so on. But
0: yeah, figured it out. Figured it out. And uh, I'd love to talk for. Well, first, first an observation, which is how much how much fun it was for me, and also uh, instructive to meet you when I met you. Right, that's really that is quite a transitionary period in which to meet Toby. Uh, so it's it's been really really fantastic to watch as things have evolved over time. Uh, that now that said, part of what makes it interesting is the good decisions, but also the challenges and maybe some of the bad decisions. Can you talk to, in any order you like, some of the some of the good decisions that you made, and some of the bad decisions that you made uh, when uh, after taking on the role of CEO?
1: Yeah, it would be good to have some sort of obvious examples here, but I mean, it's almost every good decision starts somehow bad first, right? It's there have been. Um, uh, like we've made almost every mistake in the book but we are also the kind of company that wants to in a way you know like we um, it's been so important to me to build a company that is kind of that is unafraid of experimentation and, and, and where failure like within Shopify we don't even we sort of I think we suc- succeeded in this. We we eliminated the talk of a term failure. Like we 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 name um, we call it the successful discovery of something that did not work, because I think it really changes people's disposition to it. So, um, what what did we do wrong? Like we did.
0: I, well, I was just gonna say. I mean, I don't want to interrupt your answer, but if I think that what you just said could also take us. In a pretty interesting direction. Right. If if you if you want to buy some time to think about the failures, yeah, let, let me buy or some the, time. Not failures. Failures in quotation marks. Yes. Uh, so there are a number of things that seem paradoxical that I don't think are paradoxical uh, in practice. Maybe they are, but I want you to, to to comment on them. And I just have to find the the right quote here. Well, I'll give you, I'll give you the first part. So the first part is. A quote of yours, I believe, your work here needs to make an impact like a crater. Right? So it's not just good work, it's not excellent, it's massive cosmic impact. It needs to be visible from outer space. And so so people you people are encouraged to take risks. Yes. Now, at the same time, another quote here. <laughs> Okay. Toby Shannon, right? All right. So, so this is on, you know, it's coming. This is on receiving feedback from Toby. Uh, be prepared to be crushed, says Shopify's vice president of revenue, Toby Shannon. <laughs> if you can't be crushed, you don't make it on the executive team. You need thick skin. <laughs> it's, not that, it's not that Toby uh, shouts or treats people meanly. He's simply direct, unfiltered. When he looks at the fruits of someone's labor, he says what he thinks, even if what he thinks is this is shit. <laughs> okay, so how do, you, how do you combine these two things successfully? One of the things I love about you is that it is, you get, you don't get the sugar-coated kid glove version of Toby's thought. You get Toby's thought. Uh, so how do you encourage risks when the the feedback you receive at the end might be, that was total shit. You can do better. Yeah.
1: Now I, 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 I want to register that, um, that quote came up in, 2015 and you know since then I have uh, <laughs> learned <laughs> that um, uh, I, I might that I should translate something like this is shit into is this really the best way we can do this <laughs> <laughs> but it's um, uh, I mean it's the same thing in a different form really Here, I, I, here's something I've always like a, a Wikipedia right like there's a I hope I get the name right um, there's a uh, a specific editor from the early days of Wikipedia, who I think was called, he had a handle called Kronker, and he de- declared something called Kronker's rules, which said that he wanted everyone to edit his pages um, just to make them better, and he didn't want people to apologize for it and or try to politically like give him credit or something. He said, "I'm going to take 100 um, percent." Um, uh, responsibility for my own mental state. Like, I, like you cannot make me unhappy by just giving me feedback in some way. Um, so just give me the raw feedback without all the, like, shit sandwich around. <laughs> <laughs> and I love that. I, yeah. I, I just, I would like to run my team on Cronk's Rules because I think it's just, there's, there's so much time spent like first, you have to talk about the weather, and then you know, like you have, you to, to yeah, nice you have to say nice sweater. Nine, that's a really ex- nice sweater. Exactly. So you have to find <laughs> something, and then ideally address some very productive character traits. Then talk about the thing you want to talk about, and then figure out some way of uh, afterwards talking about something highly positive again. So you know, that's that's the sort of standard formula. And um, I can do it, but I don't think that um, the highest performing teams in the world should spend time doing this uh, to each other i think there's a level of progression that comes um if you're part of one of the teams and again like we are one of the bigger technology companies in the world certainly i think we're fastest growing SaaS company um um on the market um and uh so you know it's not like i, I want to compare too much to sports because sports is it's sports is sports but this is like a big game, right? Like we, we, we need to be very good at what we're doing. Otherwise we cannot build Shopify. And so um, I think these things are in the way. And so yes, I want people to be impactful. Like um, again, if, if, uh, if, if a hard object collides with a soft object, then suddenly like there's no crater to, to prove it, right? And so um, uh, I want people to uh, take their sort of mental state in their own hands and just say, okay, I'm going to learn how to, you know, be intrinsically reminded that I'm good at what I'm doing and not have to rely on other people constantly telling me.
0: Do you help, does Shopify have any type of training or resources or cultural rules that are explicit that help to facilitate that type of awareness? Because there are people who meditate for 10 years with that objective and never quite get there. Right. And you can hire the talent. You can already find the people. Like you could go out and you could hire Jocko Willink, right? To yeah. run your HR department. <laughs> <before>. <laughs> and uh, like, and, 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 story, and yeah. you would give them all a copy of Extreme Ownership and be like, all right, here we yeah. go. Um, but then there are people who come in who might be exceptional performers, yeah. but very sensitive in some way. I, I've run into that quite a bit. Yeah. Uh, what do you do in a situation like that? Or what are the things that you do or that Shopify does to help people take that ownership of their internal state? Because this is hugely important.
1: Yeah, it's hugely important. Um, so we, one, one thing that's so neat about Shopify is, again, let's get a little bit back to this Ottawa Canada thing. Right? Clearly, um, as you said, this is off the beaten track of the startup world. Um, ended up being a phenomenally good place to build a, a world-class company, but for reasons that were also not clear to me when I started there, um, a couple of things that happen when you're not in Silicon Valley, right. Uh, or like in a not, let's call it a primary, like company creation city, um, tenure gets longer. Like if I hire someone, um, through this very intricate hiring process that we have, um, there's sort of an understanding that it's the chance of us still working together in 10 years is actually really high, right? Um, I mean, it's a commitment from both sides um, and the company needs to be worth working for for 10 years. That's what I work on day in, day out. But um, because of that, we can have a very different relationship than in a place where the expected tenure is 18 months. In, in an 18-month place, I, I really have to kind of access every... Good idea, and 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 the productive power of let's say an engineer or so immediately. They need to be productive, um,
0: and they need to be really pampered in some cases. E, right.
1: Well, to to even keep them for the eighteen months That's because right. if uh, you have
0: Facebook, Google, and then name five other companies who are all pitching the same employees at those five companies, yeah, via headhunters, yeah, yeah.
1: and so so in, in a place like this um, ends up uh, for better or for worse in a, in, a, in a world where. Um, people don't actually go having careers at companies anymore because the way to have a career is actually jumping between companies. So so your your new position is always slightly higher. And so, um, well, our cities aren't like that. We we assume that we have these long uh, tenure relationships and therefore Shopify can invest in the people who are part of Shopify in a completely different way. So we have a... Big amount of um, we, we probably hired all business coaches in Canada and and, and beyond at this point um, to to be full time employees of Shopify because we are investing so much in, in in the people we we hire people on future high potential and then um, try to get them there as fast as possible because that actually works for us and for, for that works for people and works for Shopify fantastically well and so um, we have a lot of these opportunities because of that to to. Um, make some slight edits to the normal psyche, right? Like so, feedback is a gift. It's a, it's, it's such a simple sentence, but really is not the way most people think about feedback, right? And um, feedback pre- is a gift. Feedback is a gift Be- because it is. It clearly is. It's not. It's not meant to hurt. It's. It's meant to move things forward, right? Like to, to demystify something for you. Um, I want I want frank feedback from everyone, and I, uh, I get it. Although. Funnily enough, I don't know if you know, like you you might have a thought about this. I tend to get it from the Germans at Shopify more, more frequently than anyone else. So, so there might be a cultural component in here too. Um, so, um, uh, but yeah, so this like, did you call it crusher of egos or get your ego crushed? <laughs> That's, oh, that sounds so uh, dramatic.
0: Yes, be prepared to be crushed. If you uh, can't be crushed, you don't make it on the executive team.
1: Yeah, I, I, I would say, that might be a little... Uh, well. Or learn, uh,
0: not, learn how not to feel crushed. Yes.
1: <laughs> so, so I mean, this is the executive team, which is directly my team of the people who I have the highest requirements of, and we have worked together for the longest. So I think... Um, I don't think it's like this everywhere in Shopify. How,
0: so are there particular, mm, particular books, particular types of training, exercises, that are used within Shopify to help people take ownership of their internal state or to view feedback as a gift that people listening might be able to use or explore or think about in some way?
1: Um, The companies, they're they're very, um, like different companies have different sort of personality trait testing kind of things that they like. Shopify is very partial to a system called Enneagram.
0: Enneagram. I just Uh, had my first Enneagram typing last week. And you are a eight? (laughs) I uh, appear to be a loyal skeptic Six. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. We could, we could get into it. This yeah, is all yeah, new yeah. to me. This yes. is all new to me,
1: but, but, uh. this is, is interesting. Well, the Enneagram uh, it has been, it has worked very, very well for us. Um, like in, in our internal system, you can actually see the Enneagram of everyone else. And, really? and it, te- it tells you like how, you, like what nuances that means for how to work together, for instance. Huh. So that's one. But the other thing, I think why personality tests are interesting is they, it doesn't even matter which one it is. After you kind of do one, it already kind of teaches you like hey, wait, wait a second. The way I'm wired is different from the people around yeah. me. Yeah. Um and um I think this is so fruitful of a discovery especially early in your career, right? Because again, a lot of the people we hire like average age of Shopify is 30, or 29 I think. Um so um uh we 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 get to people very early in their career and um, because what, the thing that we want to accomplish, and this is really the goal of all of the internal programs, is we want to take people from a... Um, find out what parts of... Um, uh, what kind of uh, areas they have a fixed mindset on and try to get people to become... Uh, to, to, to acquire a growth mindset, right? Just think of their intelligence as something that can be trained. Um, think of their um, uh, skill as a programmer, not as something static, and when someone comes and tells you that there's something you could have done better, that's not someone finding out that you're not as good as you thought. That's actually a teacher appearing, right? And once people acquire this growth mindset on, a, on at least a number of different traits, usually they arrive to, uh, like, they, they make it very, very far, and they can have these, like, 10 years of a career in, in, in one year on the, on the wall clock and... um it, it's, 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 a, it's a wonderful kind of thing when, when it happens. How,
0: how would you suggest that people acquire a, a growth mindset? Right? Because there are books, uh, I don't know if Grit, I haven't read Angela Duckworthy's book, uh, Grit. It's been That's recommended a, a number of times, but it, there are a number of books that talk about the importance of growth, fostering growth versus fixed mindset in child yeah. rearing. And you, you shouldn't say, You're you're so smart, you should say you worked really hard and did a good job and so forth. Yeah. Because inevitably if they have what's perceived to be a failure or make mistakes, it's then not indicative of them being stupid, but rather uh, and something related to effort and or chance that they can play a part in resolving or improving, right? But if we're talking about let's just say there's there are any number of people certainly listen to the podcast, and they're like, you know what? Like, I'm sure I have a fixed mindset somewhere, but I don't. I don't. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's a blind spot. I don't know where how I would spot it, and then how do I fix it?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: What would your thoughts be?
1: Um, I think that I, it's a really, really good question. I wish I had a better answer. I, I do find that Carol Dweck's original book called Mindset is probably still the best source. Yeah. Um,
0: That's D W E C K, right? Yeah, yeah Carol right. yeah, yeah, That Kaltweck, was also, yeah. uh, we were talking about Josh Waitzkin during lunch, also mm-hmm. a book that he's quite a fan of.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm a big fan of the book. It's it, it at least talks you through the theory, and what I've observed is even with very, very high, um, super successful executives um, who come to Shopify and or have worked at Shopify for a very long time, and they, they end up reading the book and... Um, and they said, you know what? I was actually fixed mindset on all on all these like these three things, and it's like it really irks me now. I, 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 it's, <laughs> it, it's just really funny the way how um, it it just sort of wakes you up to this uh, to, to to this reality that we kind of all have it. It's it's not something you can over completely overcome, um, but it's something that just having the awareness um, is is really powerful. And also, if you are, if if you have direct reports in a company. Um, even if that book does nothing for you, it will allow you to be a much better lead to those people because it's like just priming you to detect fixed mindset talk in other people and pointing it out is hugely beneficial.
0: So I want to uh, note an observation that may or may not be true, but it, it seems to me that the discussion of fixed and growth mindset, goes it pairs quite well with Enneagram also. Mm-hmm. Enneagram, by the way, I was introduced to by Drew of Dropbox. Oh yeah, and I was always skeptical, and I still am somewhat skeptical of certain aspects of Enneagram, which I, I think actually means nine pointed. Uh, so there are nine p- different types. Uh, then there's a lot of discussion of, of uh, through different books and experts about Enneagram. Uh, but like you said, is your in your commentary about Enneagram? It's it's not necessarily the specifics of the sort of business acceptable horoscope that you get it's it's the fact that you begin to look at relating to other people and your uh, weaknesses and or fixed mindsets mm-hmm. differently right and uh so i i found it very useful i had my uh, I, i'm going to have well my my, my girlfriend, did her typing and I'm, I'm going to have all of my employees do their typing also just so they think with an awareness about interactions through that lens, mm-hmm. even if the exact content may be, you know, 50% kind of hand wavy, if yeah. that makes sense.
1: Yeah, because I, here's why we, all these things matter. Um, I, I once read that, um, I don't particularly believe in hell, but um, I like this definition of it. Hell is meeting the best version that you could have become at Ooh. the end of your life. Yeah, and so um, I, I think that one of the really really fun things about you know an experience like an entrepreneurial journey, like the, like with a company, um, uh, the careers we have, the books we read, like if they end up being pointed in sort of a direction that allows us to minimize the difference between that person we will meet and the person we are at that point of time, I think that's time well spent. And there's some key, I think, events in one's life that have to go through it. Like at some point, hopefully, um, you realize that the people around you are very different. That you have some unexplained traits in you, which some of them being... uh, s- becoming big strengths and some of them are weaknesses, and you double down on your strengths and you you, you try to uh, work around your weaknesses. And by the way, later in life, it might actually flip which ones is which, which is gets really weird. Um, but um, uh, that's another one of those kind of things. This sort of awakening to a growth mindset is is is, is another one of those life events, I think. Um, and so these events matter because what you're building eventually is like some kind of path that allows you to wake up smarter every day then um, if you do if if you if you if you get there really really powerful things happen suddenly um, you know jumping into uh, like a completely new job that you have no qualification for suddenly doesn't sound scary anymore i mean it, it probably still does a little bit but the challenge and the thrill of it um, of of like this sounds real, I could fail. I, I I now have to I have to grow to make this work. Um actually become hugely motivating. And 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 um I think that one of the most amazing things that anyone can go through in um you know, can, can can do in their lives is to um like is is a variation on the theme of um like going on a journey, doing hard things surrounded by friends, right? Company building is one of those things. Often travel is another one. Sports are really good at these kind of things. Um, uh, I, I would love Jaco's opinion on if war is like that. I, I,
0: oh, I think yeah, he, he would definitely say that.
1: So, um, you know, variations on this theme is what you want to prepare for.
0: I want to come back to something you mentioned earlier that I think is very, very relevant here. So you, you talked about, I'm going to try to tie a few different things together. You talked about taking risks and looking for opportunities for massive impact. You also talked about how you have looked at certain opportunities or transitions as opportunities for learning and that you've made a lot of mistakes. But it seems to me that you've even in some ways optimized for learning. And I just want to highlight for for folks listening and also just to remind myself that this is something that comes up quite frequently with people who seem to just step up to bat and hit home run after home run. If you really dig under the hood, that's not necessarily the case. But for instance, uh, people who are in any number of different fields, whether it's uh, Scott Adams and Dilbert, uh, or some of uh, the investors I uh, deeply respect, like Mark Andreessen, who's been on on the podcast, they talk about combining rather than trying to be, say, the top 1% in the NBA which is very hard to do and yeah. very attribute dependent, you could be, say, top 10% or even top 25% in things that are rarely combined, right? Mm-hmm. It could be computer science and law. It could be Warren Buffett right, in value investing and public speaking. He says the, the best investment he ever made was in a Dale Carnegie public mm-hmm. speaking course because it magnifies everything else that you do. And uh, so there's the combining of skill sets that are rarely combined and uh, as Scott has also written about quite extensively and I agree with that if, if, and I'm paraphrasing here, so I might be mixing and matching a little, but if you optimize for learning new skills and developing new relationships that transcend any one given project, it's really difficult to fail completely, right? And so you end up accumulating these skills and relationships that then Help for you to combine these uh, different disciplines in unique ways. Um, so that, that I just want to mention because it's uh, it's it's tempting and debilitating to think that you have to be the absolute best, top one yeah. percent in yeah. X. And when you when you really look at people, whether it's all the all the various billionaires and magazine covers or what have you, that's not necessarily
1: the case. No. Yeah. I, I so I, I could not agree more with you, and I um. It's interesting because I I almost have two phases to my life in this regard, right? Because um, I really was trying to become, I don't know, I don't know if I was trying to become the best programmer in the world, but I certainly was making a bit for it. You know, like my life was completely revolved around um, writing code, understanding more of it and and, and just being very, very good at it. I, I was going for mastery anyways. And then this situation... That happened where again I had to like pause that world, um, and have to go in, like, in into business, and I ended up really really liking so many aspects of it. I I, I really pivoted to I w- like to from from someone who's going to try to get I I would like to understand hundred percent of a field to I want to as quickly as possible understand eighty percent of every field, right? And that's. I like it way better on this side and I'm internally thankful for having realized this at, uh, at some point because it's, um, it is, uh, it actually doesn't take that long to, um, I mean, you wrote an entire book on this, so I'm obviously not trying to convince you on this, <laughs> but um, it, it doesn't take long to, to, to understand the first 80% of, of, of any number of fields, right? And, um, but of course you can't understand the 80% of every field, there's, there's too many. So, You'll, you'll follow your interests pretty automatically and, and then you find out exactly this, uh, what, what you just said. And this is something, you know, sort of, it's, it's worth looking into the Shopify universe. Um, there um, The people who are really successful are the people who usually have some multiple skill sets and combine them into some kind of new product. It's like, Sort of an obvious example is like boosted boards, right? Like, hey, here's like electrical engineers um, who also like skateboarding. Let's combine those two things by putting a battery into the skateboards. And so it's really, really, really hard to be the best in the world at a single discipline. But as soon as you start overlaying like three different interests... um, you make Pokemon inspired jewelry or something. You can make the best Pokemon inspired jewelry in the world um, yes. um, uh, pretty quickly, right? And so the 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 speed with which you
0: came up with that <laughs> makes me think that that's a store on Shopify somewhere. <laughs> Absolutely, <yes. laughs> uh, because you're in. A, I mean, you're in a great position to see. I mean. Hundreds of thousands of these examples.
1: We see millions of success stories and and, and attempts at success stories, right? This is honestly the the most interesting part of Shopify. Is really um, the the, like we see this, right? We like let's actually zoom out for a second here on on my entrepreneurship topic because it's it's really dear to me, but it's also at a state that a lot of people don't really quite appreciate. Um, Entrepreneurship is in big crisis right now it's it's a complete counter narrative to what most people m- most people think but um, right now new company formation is at the lowest points ever been um Gen x is is um, started a lot less companies um, a lot fewer companies than uh, its parents and millennials are lower yet so it's the least entrepreneurial generation so far um, and um the the numbers are going like companies that are um, you know, like it, all, all numbers are downwards.
0: Is that measured by LLC formation, entity formation? Just general
1: it? companies that have um, of all classes in the United mm. States over time. It, once you look at the graphs, they all—they all just—they're all just, they're, they're looking like they're tank. It's especially since 2005, sort of 2006, the beginning, very beginning financial crisis suddenly fell off a cliff. Um. So why is that? i
0: tell me Toby. Right. I,
1: I, I. Well, I wish I wish I would knew. It's like. I know some contributing factors, like one thing is, we just don't need too many copies of everything anymore, like back in the day, you probably visited, uh, you lived in a smaller community, you visited a big one, you saw, hey, here's like, what, like certain kind of hardware store, you know, some kind of, you know, business you've never seen before, you'd say, hey, I might be able to do that back home, and that's a new company, Right. Now, everything's franchised and like centralized and uh, it's it's a lot harder to do these kind of businesses. but the same thing's going on on the internet as well, right The internet is as much as it can be a democratizing force, it really benefits centralization you know we have one social network it's one one uh, search engine and so on so um it's just harder to start businesses right and like you 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 kind of have to clock in. In the top percentile uh, of of a field, or at least an intersection of a fi- or of multiple fields, to even partake in entrepreneurship, and that's, um, I think that's not good. I I mean, if if you would give me like, hey, here's like two versions of a world, um, choose one. One in which entrepreneurship is common and easy and straightforward, and and one where it isn't. Like ev- like I mean, who does who takes the one where it isn't? Like where it isn't easy, right? So
0: how would you make it? How would you make it easier, whether in the U.S. or maybe not Canada specific? Could be, but is the, is there anything that you would do to increase the number of entrepreneurs? And why is that important? Is it important?
1: Yeah, I mean that's a good question. I uh, which I think should be studied. I mean, like one one thing, if you if you look at this completely from an economics perspective, um, like we we. If if you if if you uh, think that we need to provide employment to people, you should want like a couple of mega companies are not going to employ everyone, right? I think everyone understands this. It's um, we need um, millions of 10, 20 people companies, SMBs. That's almost everyone is employed by small businesses. Um, if if you look at the actual numbers, so um, with small business going away, that that that's that's definitely a force into the opposite direction. Um, so uh, how would you do it? I mean, one thing is um this is actually a real problem in the United States, but it's actually a problem everywhere is licensing like it it's It's a crazy situation that I can get a laptop and start fifteen billion dollars shopify and not need to ask no one, but if I want to become a hairdresser, I need to get mm. a license for it right? right and I need to go for like like and there's quotas in many places, and you can't because for all these reasons. So so that's kind of one of those situ- uh, things which probably people have to have a look at. Um, but the other one is just friction. Like, how, how difficult is it? Like, how many things do you have to understand to start an online business? Like, you, you built like yeah. a supplement business back yeah, in the day. I what remem- are all the things you had to learn?
0: Well, well, I remember, I mean, this was even before that, when I was taking a stab at a few businesses, all of which <laughs> self-immolated, uh, <laughs> but just setting up a merchant account, I remember right. back in the day was a huge, it was a complex and hugely involved task.
1: I had to post a $30,000 bond to get a merchant account uh, when I started Snow Devil. Yeah. That was all the capital I had. Yeah. so It's wild. So, uh, but those kind of points of friction are everywhere. Like, I mean, this is, uh, I don't want to make this an ad, but like, Shopify is not the solution to this problem because it's a much more global and bigger problem. But, the retail world is one of the most accessible parts of entrepreneurship, um, and um, that's really all Shopify is like. Try to take the learning curve of of, of partaking in um, like entrepreneurship, building online online businesses, and make it as flat as possible, so as many people can succeed. Right? That's that's what we've been working on for the last what is it, fourteen years now.
0: I think this might be a good place to chat about the Build a Business competition. Oh yes. The build a business competition. Uh, we've, we've been talking about just smoothing the path or removing impediments to entrepreneurship, but you also have incentives.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Incentives are also important. What is the build a business competition?
1: Let's go back to where it's come, come from, because this is, I mean, it's so relevant to, 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 to uh, I think, two of us. Um, well, certainly to me. <laughs> I don't know if it's relevant <laughs> yeah, to you, yeah, but to me you, too. you were involved. <laughs> um, uh, so this was 2009, um, so at this point Shopify was completely running on fumes, it's like my, um, we were completely, it, it just, all sorts of things didn't work, like you asked me earlier, like things that didn't work, like the company kind of didn't work, right? It wasn't, it, like I had the numbers and, and and people were selling things and it was valuable to them, but there was no real business being built around it and it, it kind of all just didn't function. Um uh, my father-in-law was gracious enough to give me a check every week for the running payroll, so so at that stage. Um, and, and, and he said he would do that for a certain time and by the, by the end of it, we kind of have to figure out what the heck to do. Um, at, at this point, we were, we were talking and um, uh, you know, the reason why, again, we see the word in a similar way, you, you wrote for a work week, but uh, what, what attracted me in this book is like what you were talking about, you know, just building uh, like a business and then actually doing other things well like this like i was seeing people doing this on shopify but was like this is an underexplored form of you know what you can do online like people people should know about this that this is what some people do and we should um obviously tell people that that's what people do on shopify and shopify is good for this kind of thing so um we we had this conversation I've, i was at my college. i was actually on a boat when we had this conversation and um we're like, you know, how can we overcome this built in fear of failure that everyone's running around with? Everyone, like so many people, I, I, uh, come to me, come to you, and say, I, one day I'm going to start my own business. It's like, okay, what about today? You know, like, what, what's yeah. wrong with today? And um, there's always all these kind of reasons. And um, um, I think our working theory was we just should. Um, we need to test this by really incentivizing people. And to which I said, we should like, I don't know, we should give away like a MacBook Pro or something <laughs> like, yeah. And then you did what you always did in our phone calls. It's like, like, Toby, first of all, that's way too nerdy and only you care about MacBook Pros. And then second, um, um, if you want anyone to notice you need to go like 100x that in terms of price or something like this, which is probably easier to say on your side. I'm <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, I also remember exactly where I was,
0: by the way. I was in Glen Park walking down, I think it was uh, Diamond Street past Oshatai. I remember the exact block I was wow. on when we were having this conversation. Yeah,
1: It's funny, yeah. like it, we, this, Sometimes these things are just brand in your, in, in your mind because we, I think we both realized... Like we were sort of egging each other on to make something big, and what ended up, uh, what what we ended up doing is said, okay. You're gonna take the last hundred thousand dollars in the bank, and 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 just put it up as a competition, and say whoever is gonna build um, the biggest business, like st- like from starting now in the next six months, is gonna just get the check. Which is, at this point, I said, this is either going to work. And then we'll make the money <laughs> during the competition to 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 then give to people, or companies bankrupt anyways, in which case you know i I'll deal with that in some other way um but we did, and I think through some contact uh, of you you i think you introduced me to Laura, the, uh, the New York Times ended up uh talking about it um because it was like surprising it's like a tiny startup in Canada. Putting up something that's beyond like every business plan competition in terms of prize money, right yep. it, was, it was a pretty stunning amount.
0: yeah, the biggest ever.
1: Um, it was a huge success exactly you you were like super confident that it would be a big success from the beginning. I, I thank you for this because I wasn't. <laughs> I was like, oh my God
0: <laughs> and it's uh, it's it's been really it's been really awesome to watch also a year. After year yeah. as it has grown and evolved, so yeah. <laughs> I mean, you could give some examples, but from the beginnings, right, which are we're not entirely sure.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I mean, on some level, we know where this hundred thousand is going to come from, but this is sort of an, an existential bet in yeah. a way. Yeah. But like you said, it's like there are, there are other kind of inherent issues that if we don't do it, it's not clear yeah. what the picture is going to look like. And then you flash forward and you're doing these build a business competitions. <laughs> and it's like a high end reality show in the sense that you have, yeah. you know, the, 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 uh, the the mansion from The Great Gatsby with DiCaprio. And <laughs> yeah. you're, the people are flying all over the world, and you have, you know, Tony Robbins coming in to mentor yeah. the finalists and so on. Yeah, it
1: took it took everyone to uh, Fiji to, uh, to to his place in Fiji, yeah, right? And
0: just uh, it's it's been yeah. so much fun to watch, and um, you guys have done a, a fantastic job of executing. And it's it's ended up coming full circle, also as I'm are considering with the audience that I have what what could I do potentially competition wise Uh, you guys have taken the ball run with it and have done this so many years now I'm like hey which lawyers do you guys use (laughs) (laughs) turns out by the way anyone who's thinking about Doing something like this, I mean, you have the prize money, yeah. but then you have the putting together of a competition, yeah. of this complexity, which is no joke.
1: No joke. Uh, every uh, state, even every province in Canada has completely different uh, laws for this. You, Everyone will come and ask, hey, is this a game of chance here or is this a game of skill? Because, and Which is actually an interesting question for, yeah. for like because the intellectually honest answer is like chance. I mean, I, I've I to never get confused about this. Like Shopify is enormously, been enormously successful, but it's like 99% chance, right? Like you can predict all these kind of things which happen to transpire, which, which led to success. So, um, um, but of course, when you're talking to the lawyers, you have to say, <laughs> yes. this is a game of skill. Absolutely. <laughs> 100% skill. Um, involved. And, um, uh, yeah. So, so we, we, we launched this, uh, in 2010 and, um, uh, we had an amazing winner at the end with Dodo Case, right? It was so yeah. cool. Can was, you tell can guys, you tell people a little yeah, bit about Patrick, that? Yeah, Patrick, and Craig, two um, brilliant entrepreneurs from San Francisco who um, um, then what they what they did, I think this was around the launch of an iPad. And so um, uh, they, they realized these iPads need cases just like the phones. And so they uh, got together with some traditional book binders and make, made some so, so mold skin looking like beautiful. Like it was really just wood and um, whatever mold skin is, um, uh, a case um, for iPads. And I think they gave sort of flyers to everyone waiting in line around the Apple store before iPad got launched. So they people wrote about it. Um, and they were one of the compet- competitors in the competition. They won it and a um, uh, fantastic story. There's a later picture of, of, of President Obama with his dodo case, which of course they <laughs> used very successfully in every one, one of their marketing campaigns. And um, just, I, I, I think actually, like which goes back to sort of a thing that really excites me about um, the effects that come from all these kind of things. Not just was this an entrepreneurial success story for for, for them and they got a a hundred thousand dollar check in the end, Um they also quadrupled or even beyond the amount of professional bookbinders in the San Francisco Bay region. Again, like this was something like this is an area which had a lot of bookbinding talent when that was an industry, and that's not an industry anymore because it's just not done manually anymore. But they got people out of retirement to come back making these iPad cases, and and just a, a little industry exists. Yeah. And I think this, these are just the stories which just I find so so great.
0: So, so let's let's talk about. We don't have to get into all the specifics of of a ton of them, but. Uh, I was very curious from the first competition to see like, what can people do, mm-hmm. like what can people actually do in, in six, s- six months, right? Yeah, six so, to six so, months—it's so, nothing. I mean, but some of these people are creating multi-million-dollar businesses, unbelievable, from z- ground zero. Yes, and so it's it's been really inspiring to watch, and inspiring not just because of the size but also the variety. That having been said one of the things i look forward to every year when you guys are are running the build a business competitions is what patterns will emerge because you you begin to spot and this is much like i feel yeah. like with my audience from say the 4 hour work week uh, or the podcast but just the, the 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 millions of entrepreneurs who allow me to pattern recognized because I just have the 30,000 foot view on my audience. Show me things that are coming, right? It's like the, was it William Gibson and Neuromancer? So yeah. the future is already here. It's just not evenly distributed. So you see these patterns that are sort of this, like smoke signal in the distance, and then five years later, it's everywhere. Mm-hmm. And with Shopify, for instance, I remember the first year that a number of the category winners, because there are different categories, mm-hmm. right? Uh, so it's not it's not all or nothing in term at, at this point in the competition. There are different uh, what would you call it it's industries or product categories, yeah. uh, which which gives more people a chance to win. And it's like, wow, okay, so I'm making this number up, but it's like. Three out of the six used Kickstarter.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: That's interesting.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And looking at the different tools and different approaches, different tactics and strategies that seem to be used with with great efficacy each year is also something that I have really looked forward to.
1: And and um, this goes beyond the tools into the approach. I think, and this is actually where I feel like I learned the most from 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 the entrepreneurs. Um, because these are really the best who are coming. like I mean uh, it's actually we had first time entrepreneurs win um, uh, categories, but like they they always had some kind of fantastic insight that that they're kind of adding to this exploration about how to build companies in this digital age. Um, so so even the Kickstarter um, folks, one thing the question I always had is like was Kickstarter itself valuable or was it that they had to put a certain video on their website which where the founders of a company had to explain why this product needed to exist. Right? It, it seems like such a like why does not every product in the world have some have, have the inventor declare why they felt this thing needed to be created? Like mm. why is why can I only get that from the people who happen to go on Kickstarter? Right. Yeah. And um, most of them ended up figuring out approaches which are really about storytelling like what what's the story like the dodo case story is a story of re- revitalization of a craft right which yeah. people connected with the 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 beautiful object that came out of it um was completely imbued by this story um and, and if when if, if, uh, I was walking around with my dodo case, like uh, someone would talk about it. I would talk about hey, was, how this was handmade by real book binders because I owned a part of that story. And um, that's that, that's really the great thing. The, the, the really great thing is that um, things that are powerful and work have actually not changed in the internet age. like We're we no. all kind of... I mean, our ancestors are the ones who were the storytellers, or at least the people who listened the most to the stories. Sure. This is how language developed, you know. Like we're we're storytelling creatures, and it's um, it just is rediscovering this medium after medium is, is something that is really really fascinating.
0: And if if you if you look back to the the two books you mentioned, right? If you are looking at influence, or yeah. you are looking at Andy Grove's book, also not snapshot in time, dependent on. The technology of right now, right? These are principles, and uh, you know, I've, I've I've often thought about Kickstarter also, and and other platforms like it as a talent assessment for some of the basic competencies that one will need in the company they would then subsequently build. Mm-hmm. And it's like if you cannot sell your product <laughs> in a video and then marshal resources and try to garner PR. However, however you take your approach to raise a re- in, in potentially nominal sum of money for a first manufacturer. run, like, how can you ever
1: mm-hmm.
0: have the confidence then that you would be able to proceed and build something large over an extended period of time? Like, okay. you, like it's a, it's a, it's a, it's an audition in a sense. And, um, so then it brings up all sorts of other questions just getting back to the very first thing or one of the first things I asked you about like questioning the question it's like is it a survivorship bias is it that there are more people attempting things and therefore they can kind of stress test and then run with the things that work and uh, that is why you have this higher percentage peering in say a Shopify build a business competition Uh, in any case uh, it's it's been it's been such a fun ride,
1: and uh, thanks for having me as part of it. Well, you kind of stuck. <laughs> like, you shouldn't under, like you shouldn't downplay your your, your um, input on the whole thing. So yeah, it's uh, and and uh, I wanted to
0: also before I forget, and since I think other people listening might find it of interest, um, mention a book that's kind of going to segue over to. Something that may or may not bear fruit, we'll see. But the the book that I would recommend. All right, bear with me, guys. This is going to get very Tim Ferriss ADHD for a second. But you mentioned dyslexia. Do you not have any issues with real time review of code as you're writing it? No. Okay,
1: that's interesting. None.
0: Yeah. Okay. That's just, for another time, I was just like, think- n- sort of neurologically and optically, that's very interesting to me. Interesting. Uh, it's,
1: a, it's a fascinating question, but no, I yeah. don't.
0: Okay. All right. So the, uh, the uh, and I, I just had that come to mind because I'm going to recommend a book, but it's sh- it's a short book by a reasonably recently deceased Jesuit priest who is also trained as a therapist named Anthony DeMello. The book is called Awareness, and... Uh, the subtitle is The Perils and Opportunities of Reality, but it's a collection of effectively transcribed talks that, that were given by Anthony. It was recommended by a guest on this podcast, Peter Malouk, who's in finance. Mm-hmm. And I, I I decided to pick it up because he said it, it, every time he reads it, and he rereads it more than any other book, it gives him mm-hmm. an extensive sense of peace. And I was like, that's an interesting, that is not the sort of phrase or explanation that i would expect
1: it's a hell of a way to sell a book
0: yeah and i picked it up and awareness the perils and opportunities of reality i think uh uh, will uh you, you 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 might just find strikes a chord it's uh it's a very easy read and for me it did give me this extended sort of afterglow effect of inner peace for about two weeks and I've decided that I'm probably going to reread it uh, less than a month after having finished it. And it is, it's proven very valuable for me even though I do have a meditation practice to reinforce sort of through the prefrontal cortex uh, the value of owning your internal state Mm -hmm. and uh, be choosing to be or develop the responsiveness as opposed to reactivity. Uh, And this 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 on a on a on sort a of macro level makes me think of comfort, discomfort, and how humans relate to that. Something that came up in doing research for this was the concept of and then i may be I may be barking up the wrong tree here, but we'll mm-hmm. see where it goes the next box and what the box is, not in the shipping container sense yeah. uh could could you talk about? what, what I'm referring to.
1: Yeah. Um, it, it's, it's, um, a term from a talk I gave, I, I was invited to like a local event and they needed me to do a keynote and I don't tend to do these kind of things a lot. So, um, but I kind of wanted, there was something, uh, I, I, I they just asked me to share something. And so I said, well, um, personal growth is something that I'm you know, thinking a lot about and, 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 and feel like I was going through. So I, I decided to like, um, just sort of explain it the way I see it, um, without really going deep into the like current zeitgeist thinking about it. Um, and so t- this is, this is sort of what I, um, uh, explained, uh, um, you know that when you, ba- when you're back in high school, um, I, I, I remember being back in high school and I remember that, um, you know, there was cool kids and uncool kids, and and you know, we probably were two different sides of that kind of divide. I was, I oh, was, no. before, I was with the uncool kids. I, could I just, was
0: the Dungeons and Dragons nerd kid really camp. Really. So I actually got my ass kicked uh, up until about sixth grade, and then a growth spurt, and then I was, I was just an angry, ra- rageful,
1: <laughs> vigilante. But up until sixth grade, I was definitely in the, in the nerd camp. All right, so. Um, uh, and again, I don't know why we keep talking about me as a kid because it's not that interesting, but it seems to keep coming up. Um, and this is already going to tell you way too much about me as a kid. I, at some point, I decided, okay, I want to analyze why some kids are cool and why aren't why why I'm not. Um, and 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 what I came back with was the um, uh, the cool kids all had Air Jordans. <laughs> 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 so. Um, so I wanted them too, and of course, I, at some point I got them, and it totally didn't make a difference. But but <laughs> the reason why this is valuable is um, the, the high school is sort of is, is, it's 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 a universe. It's kind of a box, and it's it's hard to get in it because it feels very uncomfortable. Um, you don't understand it. You don't understand the social network, the influences, and then you're trying to kind of make sense of it, right, in 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 your own way, and and it actually becomes reasonably comfortable then after you sort of explain it to yourself. Um, Now it's a small box, narrow, and probably your your understanding of it is wrong. Like clearly like mine was about how I could join the cool kids, right? Um, At some point, hopefully what happens is you, you, you find a crack somewhere in the narrow box you're in and you go into the outer box where the this box you just came from is like a tiny parcel in the corner. Like it's a much bigger place, maybe, maybe college or so, or work life. But again, it feels super uncomfortable. You arrive in that new box, not understanding physics, not understanding the situation, what's expected of you. It's all ambiguous. You have to reinvent every like Even the things you figured out before are no longer true. And you, you notice this at sort of an internal level. And, um, the trick is, though, to at some point figure, out, figure it all out and then comes the danger part because it's now comfortable again. And, and and so what you have to do, though, is you have to go and find the crack and go into the next box around this where suddenly all your college life and all these kind of things just are a small box in a corner somewhere and suddenly the world's much bigger and you need to learn more and understand more and so on. I find I, I've I've met, luckily... At various times in my life, these people who clearly occupied a much larger box and they just sort of bent down to me to talk to me <laughs> because they could just somehow, like, you said this one thing and, and what they said back to you was so clearly right, but you could never have understood yourself based on this vantage point you had, right? And they were usually the way how do you then enter a, a larger box and so on. Can you think of any,
0: or are you willing to give any examples of?
1: Yeah, I I mean... An
0: exchange like that?
1: um, I had... um, It's a recurring thing. It it still happens to me to this day. I I mean, the specific case I was thinking of back in the days, I started... uh, I left school after 10th grade. I started my apprenticeship as a computer programmer, which is a thing you can do in Germany. And um, uh, I I spent a good deal of time on computers. I understood them. Um, Could do programming and so on. But um, there was a guy who, um, by the name of Jürgen Saar, who... um, was sort of my designated mentor f- in this apprenticeship program. And um, he was one of those people who um, not just, like I, I could ask any question you would have a perfectly, um, like you could write it down what he said back, you know, it's like he just, everything came back fully formed. Sam Harris type. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and, um, but then also he just created like, he, he was an, just an incredible mentor to meet because he created these, almost these scenarios for me, right? Like he... Um, uh, you know, he would do my code reviews and so on, but also he would sign us up to drive to some customer, which I and him were to writing some software for, and then he would just find an excuse for not being able to go and just let me go myself. And I was like seventeen, eighteen years old, right? I had just got my driver license. <laughs> I'm just trying to yeah. imagine having spent a lot of time with you. <laughs> I, I had to I had to get 400 DM, which was before euro, so it's like 200 euros to buy a suit. <laughs> <laughs> From the company, I didn't have that money, right? So, going to a customer and software. Now, why why did he do that? He he because he thought I could do it, hmm. and that was just it. Like it's like he thought he he did think that I would probably not fail, and that was good enough odds for him. Um, and uh, in like he also knew the customer well, so he knew that they wouldn't like it, like he not pull a stunt like this, and and they would would find it funny. <laughs> um so there was very little personal risk for him. Right. And um uh then you know like you do this and I learned a lot and of course my code totally didn't work and I had to use some satellite uplink to get the new version and um I like but I came back and said, Hey, um in this sort of worldview box thing I was in just yesterday, it, it's implausible that I would have succeeded doing this thing that I just yesterday did. So therefore I think I'm in an uncomfortable new box right now, and 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 have to relook at everything I know and recategorize everything. And and Jürgen kind of just figured out how to get me through a couple one of one those. And and so I don't know if it's a good metaphor for growth. I, I, I but I, it's it's the one that just sort of kind of came to my mind when the first time I, I was supposed to sort of explain this to people. Um, and what I like about it is that um, it, it 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 affirms the thing that makes it hard to grow because it is the dangerous part of when you feel comfortable in the box you're in. And every one of us has at the family reunion, the one uncle who decided to not traverse into further boxes way too, way too early, right? They figure they have the entire world figured out and um, everything makes sense to them. And of course, everyone else looks at it and says, oh my God, what are they talking about, right?
0: <laughs> so I have a, a few questions about that. Uh, th- this is the topic of comfort zones are uh, our, our topic of great interest to me but also it, it, it comes back to awareness as well for instance um, do you know what box you are currently in and the next box you want to go to or is it not possible until you have someone bend down and kind of poke you in the forehead yeah I don't
1: and, think I don't think you can i am I, I I know that I'm in I, I mean I I know I'm always in a box I actually am this is personal. Like personally, I think I I have figured out the box I'm in, and I'm currently not seeing the exit, which makes me uneasy.
0: Wait, what? I'm sorry. Say that one more time. One more time. So-
1: I I would say that I understand the box I'm in, and I haven't found the exit. Hmm. And the funny thing is, I've done this so many times that I'm actually really uncomfortable being comfortable. I I really dislike. Not understanding where my that growth comes from, so I'm 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 a seeker right now.
0: Are you comfortable sharing what the boxes that you're in that you don't know the exit from?
1: I mean, it's sort of I, it's it's nothing it's nothing terribly profound. It's sort of like uh, it's it's my life, right? It's um like I understand how to be a public company CEO. Um, just a crazy sentence that I never when <laughs> 16 year old two, we would never have imagined me, me uttering, but um, uh, I I I understand the systems of Wall Street. I understand the, um, um, the, the, the company that I've built. I understand how to, uh, I think be the best leader I can be for the company. Um, uh, I have made a lot of progress sort of in my personal life, just sort of, you know, I started working out and, you know, like all these kind of like just uh, have a meditation practice, you know, all these kind of good things that, uh, you've been recommending forever. Um, and I finally came around to, um, so 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 that's that's good, but it's comfortable in a way. Like I'm 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 seeking right now. I'm trying to poke at this. I, I mm. um, uh, I'm trying new things to figure out how to break out of it.
0: How do you choose those things? How do you choose the things that might be the right stress test to find that
1: crack? Usually, I mean, one i mean books are generally good like far field books are, are useful I'm, I'm really interested in sort of uh, in, in just psychology right now because there's a lot of more interesting topics than people think um but i am also challenging myself you know like i'm uh, um, i'm i'm in a um, in a driver development program for motors motor, sport, motor racing which is super fun that you know, sounds like, amazing it's it's like uh, you know talk about getting in a car not thinking about anything for like two hours three hours that's it's like yeah so but you are highly incentivized not to think about other things Yeah, well exactly because uh, <laughs> there's a real repercussion this is not like the successful dif- discovery of something that did not work this yeah. was a wall <laughs> so you know just like uh, like doing things that, uh, that, that are just different from, from, from anything else that's fit, like f- import things from other people's boxes who are presumably in bigger boxes is, is a way of doing it.
0: Now, I, I would also love your help to clarify something, uh, not, not so much for me because I think I know the answer, but for maybe for people listening, and that's a distinction. Uh, I know, as I'm sure you know, many, many people who think that more money, more X, more Y will make them happy or content or at peace. And they never reach that moving goalpost. And you and I also, I'm sure have come across, it's more common in Silicon Valley than, than Ottawa perhaps, Hmm. but people who have tens of millions, hundreds of millions of dollars and are absolutely miserable. Uh, and is the feeling feeling very uncomfortable with comfort a symptom of lack of contentment or is it something else if that if if that makes sense in my time with you you don't you don't strike me as like you are not one of those miserable, miserable people. I've seen you with your family. I've seen you with your friends. Like you surround yourself with good people. Like I wouldn't be like, yeah, no, no. Toby's an unhappy guy, he's, and he's not going to be happy because he's just chasing this ever-growing number, which is definitely not what you're chasing, and I can say that for sure. Uh, but is there an aspect of it that makes it hard for you to appreciate where you are currently, or is it different?
1: I think that is. Um, I, I, I it, you're right. I mean, I, um, um, I. I, I have an incredible, like I, I'm the most fortunate purpose person on the planet. I sometimes think, right? Like I have an incredible family, of three, uh, three boys, um, uh, a wonderful marriage. Um, I'm on a, I'm on one of those journeys at an incredible scale, surrounded by friends. So, um, I have kind of a lot of things going, <laughs> going on there, uh, going for me. Um, but I mean, look, I, 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 I certainly have my demons too, right? Like I. Um, um, I do like, I'm, I'm pretty serious that I, I'm, I'm, I'm going for minimal distance of the person I'm meeting at the end of a life <laughs> to the person I become. I, I, I set very high requirements to me, partly because, um, I know that I was the bottleneck of Shopify, um, for a couple of years, um, around that sort of 2008, 2009 time period, right? It was just, I was holding this back and a lot of my you know family friends or so are very dependent on, on on this thing working out um, for for all these reasons. And so um, I just I, I, I'm, I just really don't want to get in this situation again. I need to I need to challenge myself intrinsically um, to to uh, be ahead, like to understand what comes next, to, you know, for to for better or for worse, if, if you're running a company and, and you're sort of a product type uh, CEO, you have to have a pretty good crystal ball about the future and where things are going. And that doesn't need to be always right, but it, it certainly should be more right than it isn't. Um, because you taking building software takes a while and if you're building against it now, it's going to be old in two years when it's done, right? And so you need to build against the state of the world in 2021, 2022, and so on. So um, like I'm, I'm, I'm chasing like becoming the best version of myself. Um, and uh, that has a lot of good comes from that, but it's, uh, it can also be stressful. What uh,
0: What do you think caused you to be the bottleneck? Could you define what that means to have been the bottleneck and why do you think that happened, right? Was it because you didn't know how to hire? You weren't willing to hire because you, for whatever reason, weren't expanding your skill set fast enough? Like, uh, What did it mean to be the bottleneck? And, and looking backwards, how do you do the... the The forensic analysis.
1: I just um, did not make decisions that I had to quick enough. Uh, Like there was this whole thing about should I take like is Shopify a lifestyle business or a a growth company? Is I struggled with this so much. It it seems silly now because obviously we can all look at the result of it becoming a growth company at some point. But it was really unclear to me, and so I I, I, I very I, I ran it. Cash-based, like looking at bank accounts and making decisions based on, hey, I only I need this amount of money in the bank before I can put five thousand dollars in Google AdWords and so on, and um, I just made a lot of decisions way too slow because I just didn't feel comfortable understanding the implications of them and and and, and like I didn't know I was doing this and I, I I'm really unhappy that I but I did and I'm really unhappy that I did I I think I intentionally slew like well unintentionally. Um, slowed down the growth of a company for a period of time so that I could stay on top of it um, and uh, um, once i re- I only realized this after I finally made the call to just say okay let 's get some venture capital um, and uh once we had extra money and could spend it on all these like marketing campaigns, which we never did it 's like every single one we tried worked and um the company just took off in a d- to a degree that is almost almost comical, like the v- v- VCs are still talking about those times as something they've never seen before. Like I got I got my Series B, um, uh, I think six or seven months after the Series A and they just gave it, they wired the money before we even started talking about it. It's like, you need more money. <laughs> like you didn't raise enough money, right? Because the numbers were so good. And so um, uh, it's, it's uh, I, I just held it back and I don't want to do this again.
0: So, so why did, for people listening, they're going to be like, wait a second, Ferris, don't gloss over that. So, so everything worked. Why did everything work? Was it because you were bootstrapped And I don't, you know, I'm not trying to to answer the question for you, but was it because you were bootstrapped and therefore all of the focus was on the product for an extended period of time? Was it because of something else? Was it because you had a lot of interaction with your customers and therefore knew how to position things that when you turned them into expensive or more expensive campaigns, you had already honed the material? What were the? Why did things work?
1: Yeah, uh, a little bit of all of us of things like Shopify when it came out 2006 was a brilliant solution to the problem of I need to start an online snowboarding store. <laughs> <And> that's it. <laughs> like, uh, unless you happen to also want to make a snowboarding store, it was no good. Um, <laughs> and, um, But I was a customer support on top of everything else. And you know, here's the kind of interaction that happened all the time. It's like someone would send me an email saying, I cannot imagine, like you're calling yourself an, an e-commerce system and you don't even have this feature. And you know, I'm on the other side of this email and I'm like starting to try to write an essay about why they're wrong and it's clearly not coming together. So, <laughs> which then means I, I, I spend the entire night, I implement the feature. <laughs> I deploy it in the morning and I reply with an email saying, actually, what are you talking about? It's right here. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you know, um, that on top of also having been a merchant and really understand, like I, I, was, I'm, like I was and I still am, in absolute love with this particular problem. In the same degree, um, um, McPhee, uh, sorry, uh, McLean was in um, love with shipping con- uh, like shipping things. I'm in love with I for this type of business, this sort of retail product-based business. I just want to give people a chance to to build like to reach for independence and start something that's meaningful and become, turns them into an entrepreneur because I remember what it felt like when I did it. And so um, we spent years just chipping away at this problem, making it better and better, making Shopify better. It really came together around 2008, 2009. And then the financial crisis kind of, just just happened and we thought we were dead but suddenly at this point it was actually quite good at this point and it, it was also really cheap compared to everything else. So People started you did the
0: service itself. You, sh- Shopify was twenty nine dollars, yeah. right?
1: It's uh, not like we had people converting from uh, um, like nine hundred thousand dollars a year bill to a fifty nine dollar plan uh, a month, <laughs> right? Like <laughs> a, a, a month plan. Um, so, um, which of course tells you exactly as <laughs> how good I was at business at this time. But um, <laughs> um, like, but for us, this was a point of pride, right? We 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 love this, and so we. Um, we, 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 but we invested everything into the product. Like there was a twenty years in our mind roadmap, which we couldn't get to because we were a tiny team. And um, uh, so, so again, in this time frame, the software was really good. But then, the people who used it loved it. But the, it was hard to get the word out. And so, but to test anything. I always had to, like every time I had $5,000 additional reoccurring a month, I had to make a decision to, am I going to hire this one person, which is going to be really good for a product, or am I going to spend this as a test for in, in some kind of marketing capacity? And so what I ended up doing, um, finally, and that was the right thing to do is, um, I got the top five ideas for marketing ideas. I saved up the $25,000 so I could, um, you, you know, uh, divvy that out amongst those ideas. Um, and said, okay, let's try all of them. and um, uh, like Because if one of them really accelerates our growth, then we are actually a growth company, and we should get venture capital. And we
0: should know sooner rather than later. And
1: we should have done sooner, right? No, and, no,
0: I'm saying you do all five at once, as opposed sequentially, because then you get the feedback.
1: Exactly, sooner. yeah, exactly. Because otherwise we don't know, maybe suddenly, I, I mean, it's, it's, it's a reality change too much. Um, it, it, this wasn't, Still not very scientific, but it's more, it was better to do it at the same time because there were different ideas like radio and um, adverts in this way and other campaign in this way. And um, uh, all five worked. <laughs> it was stunning, honestly. Uh, they all worked and they, every single one clocked in better than um, what we expected a highly successful campaign should return. At which point I took this as an Excel spreadsheet to, to to the venture capitalist <laughs> and said i here's a formula i need to fund this formula right and then <laughs> this changed the conversation quite a bit
0: they're like toby i remember when you came here on a bike <laughs> Exactly, (laughs) exactly. Oh my God! First,
1: come with a bike when when, I come to Formula.
0: The the uh, as you said earlier, uh, there's a lot of chance involved with a lot of this stuff. But you can, and I wish I could give credit to the writer who came up with this term. And I'm blanking. You may know who this is, but they talk about a a luck surface area and increasing your luck surface area Mm -hmm. so that chance has a higher likelihood of sticking i know that's there's a lot of a lot of uh, confusion in that sense but uh, the importance of that hands on those customer calls is yeah. sort of i think hard to overstate yeah right and i know i know some companies that require all of their uh, executive hires to do a period of customer support yeah Same with us. Same same with you guys. Yeah, Yeah. on the front lines.
1: And I still do. uh, I I take customer calls. Um, I I I do periodically. I uh, I work with customer support and um, have my own account there. I take some tickets and uh, I take the phone and. I love it. I I, I go visit uh, customers all the time. It's, you know, this is actually like uh, distance to frontline becoming bigger has probably killed more companies than than from probably many other forces that people would immediately think about when, when talking about disruption
0: yeah I love it As uh, so Toby I'll ask just a, just a few more questions uh, and uh, and then uh, then we'll wrap uh, we have we have some dinner and maybe some wine or something else to have to, uh, later but you mentioned the crystal ball mm-hmm. uh, and the importance of looking into the future particularly with the types of products you're developing. Uh, and the technology that you work with. To go back to my notes, (laughs) here we go. John Phillips considers it his job to go in Lutka's office once in a while and get him to clear everything off his desk. As CEO, he feels uh, he shouldn't have any actual work to do. We'll we'll kind of gloss over that part. Quote, he has guys to do that, and if he meddles in it, he'll cause a problem, which I like, that's pretty funny. Uh, But thinking, you you have to be looking ahead. How does, this is just like, would be a super fantasy of mine, is it literally clearing stuff off your desk? What is what does John or other people do to help get you out of the stuff you shouldn't have your hands in?
1: Yeah, um, I, I, I mean, this has been a such a journey, right? Like, I mean, I, am I, I want to say I, I like the really high level strategic things, and I like the absolute tiny minute details. Then you, then and you I, are
0: also in the customer tickets,
1: right? I, 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 I the thing that I optimize away is everything between those two. Oh, right. And, and so. Um, that that helps a lot because um, uh, you know again these tickets matter right um, I, I I think John has been like he has been such a massive help um, he's the same person I mentioned earlier who came to me and said you, uh, you'll never Toby you'll never find someone who's gonna care as much about Shopify as, as you do um, which encouraged me to um, take the CEO role um, so he was there at m- many important parts of uh, Shopify journey and um um, was full of good advice and so he helped me sort of build out this practice over time to just uh, hire good great people for 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 everything in the middle and uh, allow me to think about the, the, the sort of long-term big picture kind of things and um, but I really 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 do like going putting my uh, chair in, in some part with engineers working on some um, you know important performance detail and so on but that, that that teaches me something about the company and it also it just it allows me to access this the latent pieces of mastery that i once built uh, which is actually you know you were talking about happiness and contentment like tapping into some kind of mastery you you, you just can't you, you you can't spend all your time just working on things which are going to finish 2 three years up from now it's it's it just doesn't like the feedback loops too long it's it's it doesn't it doesn't nourish you in in, in the way that um, like just doing something that's fun is um, to, do, to do now so that's a really important component but lastly on this crystal ball I mean here's the way I think about it um, I, I, I find that like so first of all the future is not predictable like a future is a random walk and um, uh, depends on macroeconomical events and, and climate change and a million other things so you can't actually know the future but there are two things you can do um, one is um, really important, which is um, just 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 draw the trend lines forward, sort of uh, uh, like like a minor version of what Ray Kurzweil would do, right? Just like in in two thousand nine, we knew that almost all traffic to Shopify would be coming from mobile phones by just looking at data and, and connecting two points and drawing it forward, right? It was kind of predictable. Um, Computers getting faster, you know, AR classes getting, being around and all these kind of things. Like we should add those into a calendar to say by then they probably are very important and and, and we should be aware of them. So that's one component. The other, much more interesting component is you need to be a credible witness to reality and you have to have a model of what, this is currently January 2019 Almost no one in the world knows what January 2019 actually looks like. Because of exactly the William Gibson quote you just talked about. The future's already rare, it's just not evenly distributed yet. There um, it used to be that you could go to Silicon Valley and what you would see around you observing the things around you would be a pretty like potentially 95% accurate rendition of the most up-to-date current version of the particular time you were in so if you were an entrepreneur in Silicon Valley and you looked around you you and 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 you just said okay I'm 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 seeing what Uber did with making cars uh, just appear by pushing a button on my magical piece of glass in my pocket Um, I'm gonna do I'm gonna try to disrupt the laundry uh, industry I'm gonna do it in that way right you just by osmosis kind of aware of what's possible now it's much harder China is a much bigger component, for instance. Like a lot of innovation is coming from China. Um, And and a lot of people have not realized that China is completely flipped uh, on its head in terms of, it's not just copying ideas from the West, it's actually delivering ideas. Like these um, fully automated supermarkets that people are uh, talking about and coming to various cities are all over China. Yeah,
0: the the way they use facial recognition to gamify citizen behavior in certain cities and... WeChat, some yeah. of the features built into it's,
1: it. Yeah, but, yeah. And I don't want to. I want to steer away from sort of a moral and political side of China, but like I, I think just looking at it through just what is life like in China? It, it's appreciably more futuristic than it is uh, anywhere else. By um, just they are in a post credit card world through WeChat Pay and all these kind of things. They they have it unlocks completely new business models for them, and so it, it's it's worthwhile understanding. But there's other things like. Who actually in the business world understands the video game industry? It's the biggest industry no one cares about, right? It's like,
0: so. Yeah, I remember one time, no, I don't want to interrupt, but I will since I've apparently had too much caffeine, uh, which is, I remember one point, I know nothing about, uh, very little about video games, but I remember I was looking at, because you see it all the time. If you go to, say, uh, Rotten Tomatoes, you see the, the box office earnings of the biggest movies in the world, mm. right, at least domestically. And then I saw some of the, the numbers for video game releases. Yeah. And it just—it was a multiple of the entire total of the
1: list. Yeah, yeah. The video game industry is um, a good deal larger than uh, 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 television, music, and Hollywood combined. (laughs) (laughs) It's
0: It's incredible,
1: right? Um, But it's also one of the most competitive environments ever. Like it's—it's a—it's it essentially is a massive industry on the Hollywood model that a hit is everything that everyone aims aims at. One hit like clears the money from the industry. And so what these guys have found out in the video game industry about just human psyche is, is fascinating and hugely futuristic compared to what these sort of business people figured out. And so so what I'm getting at is you do the trend line thing, and I think that's table stakes and people just need to do a good job of doing that. Um, but that's also not that hard. Um, and then you have to look around the planet and, and just say, where is competitive fields? What tools have, they figured, have the winners figured out in them? How can I import those back into the rest of the world? And I think through the intersection of those two um, uh, disciplines, you can actually get a crystal ball and and, and make assumptions on the future that start becoming reasonably precise so that uh, they they are better than not having them as uh, guiding posts for for making product decisions and so on.
0: Toby, the Oracle of Ottawa.
1: (laughs) That um, sounds so, so I, wrong in a way.
0: You shouldn't have just said that because now I'm going to make it my job <laughs> to make that oh your God. next headline. It's a uh, thing we'll now. <laughs> So uh, let, let's wrap up with a couple of questions that uh, I like to ask and listeners seem to enjoy. Uh, I'll just go for some of the hard ones. Uh, if you had a billboard... Metaphorically speaking, right, to get a message, or a quote, a question, a word, he's, scra- he's lifted his glasses and scratching his eyes as I'm asking this. So that's that's it's a sign. I know
1: you question. not? That's
0: a sign of approval. Uh,
1: what might you put on it? Can't be an advertisement. I, I mean, uh, I'm going to stay on topic. Entrepreneurship is uh, precious and needs to be celebrated. That's hmm. what I would put on the billboard. On the billboard. Besides
0: the books that you've mentioned, are there any other books that you would put that that is uh, one that comes to mind as most frequently gifted or mm. recommended? It doesn't have to be one book; it could be whatever comes to mind. I mean,
1: the, the most frequently gifted book is uh, The Elements of Style because I, I just I just. I I like good writing. Is that a a passive aggressive thing to employees? Like people hate getting that book, (laughs) but like a lot of, I I think I might have 50 copies in my office. So like it it happens frequently. Um,
0: John, by the way, great use on the semicolon. However, here's a, here's a a, a gift.
1: (laughs) Like, yeah, it's more like, um, Hey, um, I I like the content of the memo, but like, I don't think you've written a non-passive sentence in, 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 in a year. So like, I think we need to talk. So, um, uh, <laughs> Not to like
0: stereotype, but that's like the most German thing I've ever heard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we have to talk about your passive voice. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly.
1: Um, uh, now, I, I mean, I, a, a book I love giving to people at the exact like I, I try to, of course, aim at. At the right moment, is "A um, Guide to Good Life" is one of the best books I've ever mm-hmm. read. Um,
0: that's the uh, introduction to Stoicism, Stoicism. William yeah. Irving. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah,
1: that is. I, that's, I think that's a that's the best gateway to rock into this world. Let's see. It is a great book. I read a, um, absolutely. Lo- have you did you read um, "The Courage to Be Disliked"? No, but I love the title. It is a probably the best book I've read in the last couple of years. Wow. It's an introduction to Adlerian uh, psychology, which is fa- like was sort of anti-Freud. Um, mm-hmm. They were sort of the two of two factions in the Vienna. What was the name? Um, it's called the the courage to be disliked.
0: But the the psychologist. Um,
1: um I think Alfred Adler. Okay. is the name. Mm-hmm. And uh, absolutely fantastic. I mean, clearly uh, a student of Stoicism, but I think he uh, he took it further. His concept of the separation of tasks is probably. Um, maybe that would be another thing I would put on a billboard. Like, um, yeah, but it's hard to put on a. I think I think it requires a little bit of context and explanation. So, what okay. is the separation of tasks? It's Just the basic idea of it's not your task to be liked. It's your task to be likable, and it's someone else's task to like you or not. It's up to them, right? Yeah. Just the biggest wedge between your psychology and someone else's that could ever be driven into it, and and I think potentially. A, a more tangible way of getting people into this mindset than I think the Stoics who came at it through a very sort of high-mindedness, right? Yeah. Like, they, they, it all makes sense, but it doesn't, like, I think what Adler does really well is um, uh, he developed tangible tools for uh, to, to facilitate a lot of his kind of outcomes that the, Sto- uh, the Stoics were sort of reasoning about. So, uh, fascinating book.
0: Courage to be disliked. That is that is one of the better titles I've heard in a very very long time. Agreed. Uh, do you have any parting requests, asks for the audience? Last comments that uh, for now you would like to like to make anything you'd like to ask them to do, suggest that they might check out or uh, any anything at all
1: that you'd like to say. Um yeah it's a big broad question. I mean like again like uh, we didn't really get into this too much. I sort of alluded to it probably enough though like I'm a huge fan of people just going for it, reaching for independence, being like building businesses. Um, I think it's it's worthwhile for especially your uh, um, listenership to sort of understand that um, there's no force in a uh, law of the universe that makes entrepreneurship stick around. It's actually happens because. Um, uh, governments and uh, like various people made very deliberate choices to to facilitate it. Um, reducing friction um, massively increases the participation in entrepreneurship. Um, this is this is not a plug of Shopify. Shopify is a player in the space, but actually we need more companies to figure out ways to. Uh, reduce the friction of entrepreneurship across the entire entire spectrum of how people engage in entrepreneurship because i think if you don't this is going to end up being a, a serious economical issue eventually because by the time people figure out like why is employment going away well uh, small business employment is down oh it's actually because there's small businesses are going down um there's potentially so many systemic effects in play that it's going to be hard to undo a lot of the damage. And so um, I think it's an underappreciated area of entrepreneurship. It is entirely possible to build a company that's highly valuable um, by focusing on this. Uh, you don't have to go up market like the way everyone tells you to, spe- specifically investor types um uh, and 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 shopify proves out a way if you're looking for for a kind of uh, blueprint and so i would love for more people to think about this
0: when you're going into your oracle toolkit with the crystal ball and surveying the global landscape are there any particular countries or cities that you think are worth examining or modeling that do a good job I don't know if Singapore would be an example. Yeah, I would say it's sort of Singapore, but it's also like Stockholm is another one. So,
1: which uh, what's going on in Berlin is really interesting, but but, uh, also Shenzhen. Shenzhen. It's it. I think visiting Shenzhen would be highly, highly.
0: uh, And that's S H E N Z H E N? Shenzhen? S H E N. Yeah, I think so. Shenzhen.
1: this is exactly the kind of thing I have trouble with, with, with dyslexia, but um, <laughs> Chinese uh, is pretty hard for everyone who's not Chinese. <laughs> okay, good. Um, um, but it's uh, uh, you know just because you go in the like the world's biggest electronic markets and you realize, hey, if I wake up early enough and make my goal to I'm going to build my own cell phone, I can be done by the end of the day by just getting components in this place, right? And these buildings just don't exist anywhere else in the world, and. That kind of everything is possible attitude is also shared by everyone there. And it just, it's just, it's, it's, an, it's, a, it's a really fascinating place. It's really interesting. So I think that's a, that's well, a place which figured it out.
0: Yeah, that's, uh, I mean, that has sort of a, yeah. uh, a silver lining on what could be a very large systemic problem is that there are exemplars out there. I mean, there are cases to study. Toby, this is so fun. I'm, I'm really glad that uh, we ended up having the opportunity to to cross paths yet again and sit down. Of course, people can find out more about Shopify at shopify.com. On Twitter, they can say hello to you, at Toby, T-O-B-I. And uh, then Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, of course, Shopify is on all these platforms, and I'll link to everything in the show notes. I also have a Reddit link here, and maybe you can explain... What that is? There's a shake,
1: of the, <laughs> shake of the head. So, shake so, of head. So, no Reddit. Yes, yeah, so you. If you. If, if you go, <laughs> I don't know how it made it there. I thought it was anonymous on Reddit. This is no good. Okay, so new account. <laughs> that
0: that is 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 not to be mentioned. The name that shall not be spoken. Uh, so, you, and I'll link to everything we discussed, the books and uh, so on, the principles, uh, philosophers, psychologists. In the show notes at tim.blog forward slash podcast as per usual, you can just search Shopify or Toby, T-O-B-I and everything will pop right up. Toby, thank you so much. This was fun. Yeah. Really good time. Um, uh, I've, I've always enjoyed spending time with you. Uh, you've remained, you've, you've, you started off very humble and understated. You remain very humble and understated, uh, which I think is, is a real testament to, uh, to you and, I think it is true. The companies tend to develop a culture ar- around the personality and attributes of their leaders, and uh, you, you've just you've assembled a fantastic team and uh, built a, a wonderful company that's doing a lot of good.
1: Thank you so much, Tim. And uh, again, uh, kudos to you too. Uh, well, actually, thank you to you too. Um, uh, you were a big inspiration along the way. You uh, m- a massive help. Th- thanks for making yourself available when we needed you, and it, it was incredibly gratifying to spend. Um, you know that really fun day at the New York Stock Exchange, ringing that bell, b- being there together. So it's 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 again, it's all about being on a journey surrounded by friends. So thank yeah. you so much for being a friend to a company.
0: Oh, uh, my my pleasure, and uh, you know what an honor to to have been in the right place at the right time. RailsConf. <laughs> <laughs> we <We're> knew. <laughs> and uh, it is it is it is really important to have companions on the path. So. Many adventures ahead. And to everybody listening, thank you for tuning in. And uh, try to figure out which box you're in. And check out some of the resources in the show notes. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoy it. This episode is brought to you by LegalZoom, which more than 2 million Americans have used to help start their businesses. Past guests even, such as, well, WordPress lead developer, CEO of Automatic, Matt Molenweg, now valued at more than a billion dollars, have used LegalZoom to help with their business needs, specifically in his case, to form his company. But... LegalZoom isn't just for launching your business. Their services include everything from helping you to manage changing tax laws, reviewing contracts, creating NDAs, non-disclosure agreements, important stuff, handling lease agreements, and assisting with really any other legal challenge, hurdle, inconvenience that typically takes time and effort away from running your business. The best part is that you won't get charged by the hour because LegalZoom isn't a law firm, so they won't be running the clock up and spinning circles just to raise your bill. Instead, they just ask you to pay one low upfront price for whatever it is that you're looking to get a la carte style. So visit LegalZoom and check out their business section for all of their services. And if you want special savings, that's the terminology in the copy that they suggest. I don't know what the special savings is, folks, but it's titillating. If you want special savings, enter promo code TIM, T-I-M, at checkout. Capital T, lowercase I-M. Again, take a peek. LegalZoom.com and enter promo code TIM. This episode is brought to you by Peloton, which I've been using probably for about a year now. Peloton is a cutting edge indoor cycling bike that brings live studio classes right into your home. You can also do on demand, which is what I do. We'll come back to that. So you don't have to worry about fitting classes into a busy schedule or making it to a studio or gym with a hectic or unpredictable commute. I, for instance, have a Peloton bike right in my master bedroom at home and it's one of the first things I do many mornings. I wake up, I meditate for a bit, then I knock out a short 20 minute ride in my undies, hard to do that at the gym, take a shower, and I'm in higher gear for the rest of the day. It's really convenient and has become something that I look forward to. So you have a lot of options. For one, if you like, you can ride live with thousands of other riders across the country on an interactive leaderboard to keep you motivated. There are also up to 14 new classes added every day with more than 8,000 classes on demand And you can pick based on length, 45 minutes, 20 minutes, whatever, music, hip-hop, rock and roll, or say low impact versus high intensity or interval. You can pick the class structure and style that works for you. And in my case, I quite like Matt Wilpers, and I tend to do on-demand and listen to a lot of and watch many of the same classes over and over, but I'm kind of promiscuous and also enjoy classes from a lot of the other instructors. They have Peloton, an amazing roster of incredible instructors in New York City with a whole range of styles and personalities so you can find what you're in the mood for. You also get real-time metrics that you can use to track your performance over time, and that will help, I would say, catalyze you to beat your personal best. Now, that all sounds good, right? Gamification, yada, yada, yada. I didn't think that it would work for me or in any way incentivize me, but they really 100% hit the nail on the head. I was very, very impressed with how motivating it was. And it worked tremendously to keep me pushing, uh, which quite honestly takes a fair amount. I can get quite lazy, particularly with anything that edges on endurance, which is kind of more than five reps of anything for me. So, Check it out. Discover this cutting edge indoor cycling bike that brings the studio experience right to your home. Peloton is offering listeners of this podcast a limited time offer. Go to OnePeloton.com, that's O-N-E, Peloton, P-E-L-O-T-O-N.com, and enter the code TIM, all caps, at checkout and get $100 off of accessories with your Peloton bike purchase. So get a great workout at home anytime you want. Check it out. Go to OnePeloton.com and use the code Tim to get started.